This is the In Focus podcast from the Hindu. Hello and welcome to the Hindu's In Focus podcast with me Amit Barua your host for this episode. As anticipated by many Pakistani Prime Minister Imran Khan did not go by the book and ensured that his hand-picked deputy speaker Qasim Soori did not put the pending vote of no confidence against him to vote on April the 3rd. Instead, the Prime Minister advised Pakistani President Arif Alvi to dissolve the country's National Assembly and four provincial assemblies, which was done with lightning speed. The Chief Justice of Pakistan, Mr. Umar Atta Bandial, has taken so much to cognizance of this development and will rule on the constitutionality of the Deputy Speaker's actions. Opposition parties, meanwhile, have elected their own speaker and are proceeding with their vote of no confidence in the National Assembly. The Prime Minister, Mr. Imran Khan, said that an outside conspiracy fueled by bags of money could not decide the fate of Pakistan, while the army clarified that it had nothing to do with the day's development. To discuss what happens next, I am joined from Islamabad by Murtaza Solangi, Executive Editor of Naya Daur Media, a digital media platform. Welcome to the Hindus in Focus podcast, Murtaza. Thank you, Amit. Murtaza, tell us, you're a close observer of what goes on in Pakistan and have been watching these developments. So now, what happens now? What's next uh, for Pakistan? Since Supreme Court of Pakistan has taken a suomoto notice of uh, what happened in the National Assembly this morning, and also the legal counsels of the Opposition uh, have also requested under Article 184.3 take notice of uh, what they call an extra-constitutional or unconstitutional overstepping by the Deputy Speaker. So now we are waiting for the Supreme Court to decide what has happened today and provide any relief and remedial measures to the opposition. You know, as I said, you're a close watcher of the political scene. Did you expect that something like this might happen in the National Assembly today? I honestly did not anticipate that uh, Imran Khan government would stoop so low that they would orchestrate a blatant and brazen violation of the law and the constitution. Given the ground realities of Pakistan, where it's crystal clear that Pakistan's powerful establishment has distanced itself from the illegal actions of Mr. Khan, I did not anticipate that Mr. Khan would make such an outlandish and extremely aggressive action which will not hold because of the law. And in your view, how long do you think the court might take to decide on the legality or otherwise of the deputy speaker's actions? Do you think it would be quick or it would take some time, especially since the president of Pakistan has also ordered the dissolution of the National Assembly and the four provincial assemblies? I have talked to many legal experts since this incident took place, and most of them are of the view 
that the relief would be very quick, followed by other actions that might turn the future of Mr. Khan and his close associates quite bleak. And is it your sense, have you seen a comment from the Director General of the Inter-Services Public Relations that the army has nothing to do with what happened today? So why do you think that clarification was issued? That clarification was issued because of a statement by the Interior Minister Sheikh Rashid alluding as if the security establishment was on board with this illegal and unconstitutional state taken by the deputy speaker. And when the media approached DGISPR to clarify as if they were on board with the action of Mr. Khan and the deputy speaker, he clearly said, absolutely not. We have nothing to do with what they have done today. And is it also your understanding, Murtaza, that the army and the establishment of Pakistan has clearly distanced itself from Mr. Imran Khan and his government? I have no doubt about that because when quite, you know, in a belated move, when two days back, Prime Minister Khan summoned the National Security Committee of the Cabinet where the services chiefs of uh, Pakistan's armed forces, including DGISI, were present in the meeting to discuss that quote-unquote letter that was about fictional plan of uh, regime change in Pakistan supported by United States. If you read the press statement of the National Security Committee, that did not provide any room to Mr. Khan and did not validate his allegations. And if you go further, if you have followed what Army Chief General Bajwa in a conference security dialogue said yesterday, he clearly distanced himself and the institution of the Pakistani Armed Forces from the foreign policy pursued by Mr. Khan. And why do you think, I mean, after all, you know, Mr. Khan was the chosen sort of pointee and uh, this was supposed to be a hybrid experiment. And there was a lot of warmth between Imran Khan and General Bajwa and the army establishment. So what, what do you think changed really between the army and Prime Minister Imran Khan? It's just like a dream gone sour. You know, there were a lot of expectations from Mr. Khan when he was brought in July 2018. They had a lot of high hopes from him. He was a celebrity. He had a lot of support inside and outside the country. A lot of young people, urban middle class, was supporting him. And there were people who believed that with Mr. Khan leading the country and providing him a team of experts and with establishment fully supporting him, probably he will make miracles. There will be better governance, economy would be running efficiently, 
and with the same page narrative, the country would get rid of two major political parties or what they call dynasties and everything will be hunky-dory. Well, that didn't happen. Things went from bad to worse and worse to worse. Probably the last straw that broke that same page camel's back was last year in October when, despite requests by the establishment that they wanted to make some changes and they wanted to post out the then DGISI, General Fez, and bring in a different person. Imran Khan waited out good 20 days and tried to uh, manipulate and force his wish on the security establishment. From then onwards, things have been going on a down slide slope. But he did fall in line, Mutaza, and he did appoint General Bajwa's, you know, choice as ISI chief finally. Yes, he did. But trust is something once broken can't be repaired by a patchwork. That is the political history of Pakistan. But some would say that Mr. Imran Khan has now occupied a space you know, though he was though he was very much supporter of the army establishment, but he now seeks to occupy an opposition space where he said that where he says that you know he even went to the extent of raising uh, Indian foreign policy, which is something which is at quite quite an anathema. But is it something which you know you sense that he is now pitching himself, you know, for the elections, whether they happen in three months or they happen in six or eight months? Elections are an inevitability. So do you think he's trying to sort of position himself for the election campaign that lies ahead? It's very clear that after October last year, he somehow reached that conclusion that it's not the matter of if, but when he's dumped. So that's why he started building a narrative that would help him you know, after he has been sacked or dismissed, and when he would try to save or build some kind of legacy to contest future polls. That's what he has been doing. His rising anti-Americanism, his rising excessive religiosity, his, you know, wearing the sleeve of uh, faith, and patriotism, finding refuge there. And the very fact that he went to Moscow knowing fully well that Russia was about to invade Ukraine and his statement at Moscow airport where he says these are absolutely exciting times to be in Moscow, all these put together leads us to believe that he was trying to build a narrative after this so-called cable or letter received from our ambassador that he first said there was a letter from a foreign power, U.S., and then changing the story. All these are ingredients of that uh, post-dismissal and future election narrative.
I mean, we all know that two important prongs of Pakistan's foreign policy is one, its relationship with the United States and the West. And the second is, of course, with China. We've both, we've seen both these strands work together. But in the case of Prime Minister Imran Khan, it seemed that only one strand was working. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think he's had any telephone call or interaction uh, with, with the U.S. president, who's no longer a very new president. Why do you think that happened? Well, there were many irritants in U.S.-Pakistan relations. And Imran Khan added many more to that. Interestingly, it's not just the U.S. The Gulf countries, Saudi Arabia, UAE, they also distanced themselves. To an extent, Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, led by MBS, were visibly annoyed with Mr. Khan. Not just that. Just a few days back, the spokesman of the Chinese Foreign Ministry, Li Zhangjiao, he was asked about what was happening in Pakistan and if the removal of Mr. Khan would anyway impact Pakistan-China relations, the answer was quite revealing, which is in line with the way Chinese have pursued their foreign policy, that this is the internal matter of Pakistan, and they would not want to comment on that, hoping and uh, reassuring that Pakistan-China relations would remain all-weather friendly relations. So now, I mean, uh, the the situation we are posited with now, uh, in a here and now situation, so in a sense, by recommending this distribution and following the president's actions, so do you think that this sort of blows a hole in the opposition's plans to come to power and maybe rule for a few months before elections are held in Pakistan? Not really. I think that uh, since it's uh, crystal clear that there has been a serious violation of the supreme law of the land, Mr. Khan would be gone soon. And there would be bridge government for a few months, maybe till the year end, when we have some major appointments to be made, either extending the tenure of the current army chief or appointment of new army chief in November. After that, I believe we would be headed towards national elections either by the year end or early next year. And tell us, Mr. what is, you said you've been speaking to several legal experts uh, during the course of the day. What is the sum and substance of what these legal experts are telling you about what's happened today? It's uh, crystal clear uh, under Article 95, vote of no confidence was submitted. Speaker earlier already violated the Constitution by not holding that session on time. And today, instead of voting, which is mandatory, he, on a flimsy ground, not only prorogued the session, but declared that motion illegal and against the rules, which is not the case. And according to Pakistani constitution, a prime minister against whom a vote of no confidence has been moved loses the authority to dissolve assembly. So Mr. Khan 
had no constitutional legal authority to advise the president of Pakistan to dissolve the assemblies. Mr. Arif Alvi, the president, had no authority to dissolve the parliament. So all these actions will be declared void, initio, illegal, and the parliament, I believe, would be summoned since a, another vote of no confidence against the speaker and probably uh, by, against the speaker would be moved. So they would be removed from the offices. The acting speaker or the new speaker will summon the session. A proper no confidence will be moved. And since opposition has the majority, so they will move towards the treasury benches. And Mr. Khan and his party has no other option but to go and sit on the opposition benches. I don't know if Article 6, the sedition, the high treason case would be moved against all those who have violated the constitution today. We have to see if that happens under the new government or if Supreme Court would make such an order. And would you say, Mutaza Saab, that, you know, Pakistan is quite divided on this, on this, you know, what Imran Khan and his politics stand for? Because as you did mention, that there's a wide body of people which also supports him. And he pointed out recently that he won uh, some local body elections in Khyber Pakhtunkhwa as this crisis was going on. So can you tell us something about, you know, what the television channels are saying, what the mood is? you know, what his supporters are saying and what his detractors are saying. A section of his uh, hardcore uh, voters are still supporting Mr. Khan. But as we have seen in Pakistani history, the minute he loses power, his party, which is known as a king's party, will collapse like a deck of cards. Many people have started abandoning him. Today, the Punjab governor, Chaudhary Sarwar, who was sacked in the middle of the night and announced early this morning. He spoke, addressed an emergency press conference. You would see in next few days, many people who have pro-establishment credentials or are electables, constituency politicians. They will dump Imran. It will remain like a small rump. A small minority of urban middle class might still support him, but he would be reduced to what he used to be before 2011. And what do you think will happen to the opposition? Do you think that in fresh elections, the Pakistan People's Party, uh, the Pakistan Muslim League Noon, and uh, the JUIF of uh, Maulana Fazlur Rahman, do you think all these will contest in alliance or they will go in separate ways and there will be an election of the kind we saw four years ago? There might be some electoral understanding between what is now combined opposition because in many areas, their interests are not colliding. For example, Pakistan People's Party's stronghold is sin. PMLN of Mr. Nawaz Sharif doesn't have much stakes or support base in sin. So there is no conflict. In Punjab, where PMLN reigns supreme, People's Party is reduced to almost a knot. So there is no conflict there. 
So if they want to have an electoral understanding, they can have some kind of seat adjustment. But even if they contest against each other, they would not be hurting each other much. Murtaza Solangi, thank you so much for talking to us about the developing situation in Pakistan. Thank you for sharing your thoughts with us. And we will, if you permit, revert to you again for uh, your thoughts at a later stage. Thank you very much for joining us in the podcast. Thank you, Amit. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu. We'll see you soon.